0: back to the Real Slim Fatty Show. I am your host, Fatty Huatma, and I am stoked to have my good friend Ryan Lazanis
1: on the call.
0: Ryan, welcome. How are you?
1: Fatty, doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me. As I mentioned right before we started recording, a real fan of the the name of your podcast.
0: (laughs) I appreciate it. Got to keep it real. (laughs) Got to keep it real. Greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate you. Excited about this conversation. Real quick before
1: we dive, you know, want to give a kind of a quick introduction
0: uh, on your background.
1: For sure. So I'm a CPA, born and raised in Montreal, Canada. And outside of work, I'm a a husband, a father of a a three-year-old daughter. I'm a triathlete for the past few years now. But when it comes to my professional life, I started an online accounting firm called Zen Accounting about 10 years ago. It's one of the first online firms in North America when I started it. Started it from scratch, took it all the way to acquisition. I was acquired five years after starting it by a large corporate services firm based out of Europe in the Isle of Man of all places, which was a very interesting, very interesting journey to finalize the deal. And I then immediately start, started a future firm in 2018 I had a lot of struggles in the early days being a first-time business owner, not knowing how to run a business, let alone a modern accounting firm, and I had really no one to lean on. So I made a lot of costly mistakes, very time-consuming, very stressful for myself. And I created Future Firm to be the resource I wish I always had when I was running my firm. So it started out just as a blog, just journaling my thoughts. Uh, turn that into a newsletter. We now have around 10,000 firm owners and leaders reading that each and every week. I have a podcast. And then uh, about two and a half years ago, started uh, Future Firm Accelerate, which is an online coaching program that has uh, around 800 firms from around the world inside the program at the moment that want help systematizing their business so that they could have more freedom and more flexibility in their life. They get access to online training that's self-paced. They get access to a community of amazing accounting firm owners like themselves. And they also get access to some coaching when they're stuck and they need a little bit more support. So that's that's me in a nutshell, Fatty.
0: Nice. I love that. Thank you, Ryan. So I, I kind of want to dive right in with a with a very, you know, kind of just into the meat, right? I want to know from your perspective, where do you see the accounting industry changing and heading in 2024? You know, we're January 4th, New Year's starting. Where do you see the industry as a whole heading and how is it going to be significantly different or different at all from 2023?
1: I mean, I think it's probably just an incremental difference that we're going to see. I mean, obviously, from the technology side of things, things are really heating up. So AI is obviously moving really, really fast right now. We're all kind of seeing how that's actually going to impact us on a day-to-day basis. Like, We have some firms that are using this more than others. There's a lot of interesting things you can do with AI when it comes to your business. Some are using it much more than others, as I mentioned. So I think like that's obviously heating up, but I think the main issues are going to remain constant. The issues that firms have had for years and years and years, you know how to price, how to sell, how to market, how to build a team, how to retain a team. Like These are the things that most firms really, really struggle with. And yeah, so other than the technology side of things heating up, I don't think we're going to see much difference. I think what we're also seeing though, and this is changing year over year, is more of an emphasis on creating a business around the lifestyle that you want. And I think, you know, accountants have been trapped in a a terrible business model for a very long period of time. And for a long period of time, they've just kind of accepted that. And I don't think they're as accepting of that kind of model anymore. So I I just think we're going to see, you know, some incremental changes along those lines throughout 2024.
0: Yeah. I think you, you hit on a couple important things there. I think one of the biggest things is Okay, it seems like there's been a massive shift in who's running accounting firms, let alone accounting firms as a, as a whole. And one of the sayings we have at Clockwork is we're not your dad's accounting firm. We're not for mm-hmm. your dad's accounting firm. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is we don't care how things have been done. We care about how we're setting things moving forward mm-hmm. and changing the way that people operate. And the people that are running accounting firms now are not your stereotypical accountants. I agree, and we saw that. At, you know, my first time at QuickBooks Connect a few months ago when we met, I holy agree. shit, <laughs> like, completely different. And you know, I think that's been one of the most underestimated and underspoken things. Where especially with technology, especially with AI, like Clockworks, an AI company, started back in twenty eighteen. Not you know, it's not one of the new age things, but people are so scared of AI is going to replace me, AI is going to replace me. If you've met the people that are running accounting firms now, nothing is going to replace them. Like I agree.
1: I think like, I fully agree with that. Like, I know like one of my members, like in one of our coaching group coaching calls that asked like, you know, you just went to QuickBooks at Connect. What's like the number one takeaway? What's the number one thing I, I should know about? And I think like, I've been to QuickBooks Connect since since like it started. And the number one thing I saw was like there was way more entrepreneurial accountants there that really understood business. Not everybody, but like there was a larger proportion that like understood digital marketing and understood customer experience and understood like how to build a business. There's a big difference between growing an accounting business and growing an accounting practice. Yep. And I think like there was a larger proportion of those that understood the former so like that that i was pretty happy to, i was pretty happy to see and i would expect that trend to continue to increase yeah i think one of the things that most people
0: oversee is there are arguably 80 to 90,000 accounting firms in the us over 90% of those are solopreneurs you know yeah. small firms it's funny when people think about an accountant or my accountant, it's like they're an entrepreneur. They're running a business. They're growing a business. They have to build their own website. They have to file their own taxes. They have to hire their own people. They have to market themselves. They have to sell themselves. They have to take sales calls, deal with vendors, all the stuff that everyone else does that people don't really understand that accountants have to do that too. And they're entrepreneurs. And the, the knowledge that it takes to actually build and grow a firm doesn't matter accounting firm medical practices medical firms you know dentistry like they're all entrepreneurs and you're starting something from scratch and if you know you're not understanding that as a client working with an accountant it's so much different and it it's crazy how underestimated accountants are as a whole quite honestly I think it leads to them underestimating themselves. I've seen so many accountants, they're like, I can't charge more because who's going to pay me for it? It's like, stop thinking so small. Like you're you're worth so much more than you think you are. Your clients care about you so much more than you think they do. And if they don't, get rid of them, <laughs> you know, good riddance. And th- I think that's overlooked.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much clients actually care about their accountants, truthfully. I think like, get me the result and, <laughs> and yeah. we're all good. But like, other than that, like... How much do you actually care about your supplier, I guess? You know, like you could obviously like some more than others, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't do my own accounting. I'm a CPA, but I don't do my own accounting and I don't do my own taxes. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I just want the result. I want it easy. I want it like pain, painless. Like I don't want any surprises. You know, I want clear communication. Maybe I'm taking this in a different tangent here, but, but yeah, like just on that point, I don't know how much clients actually care about the accountant at the end of the day.
0: I'm going to pull on that thread a little bit. I think people care about their accountant only because it covers their ass. And I agree with you that you need to see results first and then and then you won't care. But I can't tell you how many companies that I've worked with that think that their accountant doesn't do much. Then they try and change accountants or they get money from a VC and the VC says, hey, you have to use – this firm or whatever and then they're like holy shit like i don't want to switch accountants i don't want to switch stuff and then it turns into them caring because if that accountant goes away you're kind of screwed because they have a lot of your stuff
1: well yeah i mean i certainly agree that they're very important but i i think like most clients would just rather their accountants to almost be invisible to us to, to this extent that yeah. accounting is very painful and annoying and yeah. something that clients don't really understand. And if you could just kind of like eliminate this from my life, I would be very, very happy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, again, I don't know where where I'm taking this exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's, I guess, my thoughts on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm with you. So switching gears a little bit, I want to hear more about what the process was like selling your accounting firm and why you wanted to sell it.
1: It was the most confusing decision of my life. And I really racked my brain for a very long time. And I had these, you know, do I want to like, when I started my firm, I never thought that I would ever sell it. My father was a small business owner, and he had his business for decades. And his brother had a small business and had his business for decades. And my uncle had a small business, had his business for decades. And I just thought like, this is something that you just have. Like maybe I was naive, but, you know, this is something that you just start. And, you know, at the end, you just retire based on how the business is performed. And uh, so I never had an, any intention to sell it. It was really being one of the first cloud firms out there. Other firms wanted to start developing that kind of expertise. So I started getting approached by small firms, by mid firms, by large firms, by firms outside of the country in France and Europe and, you know, different places in the world. And that really started to get me thinking about, okay, like what path do I want to take? What's the best option? I can just continue doing what I'm doing right now. Business is going well, or I could take this other path. So where do I want to head? My wife heard way too much about this and nobody wanted to hear any more about this. I was scoring the different options and, you know, but ultimately what happened was I just clarified what I wanted my ideal life to look like and what my true end goal was. And I reclarified what my purpose was, my professional purpose. And it became clear that what I wanted to do and one of the reasons why I started an online firm when they didn't exist was I was frustrated with the lack of progress in the profession. I was frustrated by the archaic model in place because previous to starting my own firm, I worked in a very traditional firm and it was painful for all parties involved. And, you know, my purpose was really to help modernize the profession in some way, shape, or form. And that's why I started the firm in the way I did. But I felt I could have a bigger impact doing so by helping other accounting firms develop the kind of model that I had developed. So when I clarified my purpose and when I clarified what my ultimate objective was in life, it became very easy to sell the firm. And start future firm. I started a future firm practically almost day one after selling the firm. So yeah, that's uh, that. That was the decision to to sell.
0: How long did it take to go from inception of your firm to selling it?
1: It was five years, 2013 to
0: 2018. Oh, okay. So five years. I mean, there's so many firms, and I don't know if you've seen this, but I'm sure you have. Right now, it seems like there's this massive industry that's being stood up on on buying accounting firms. Yeah. I won't say it never existed like 10 years ago, but 10, 15, 20 years ago, I very rarely saw it. And if you did see it, it was, it was like one of those like, oh, it makes sense. They were doing a bunch of their work anyways. They were outsourced you know, to that firm, blah, blah, blah. Now, there are literal firms being stood up to buy firms. Yeah.
1: And they roll them up.
0: And, and you are seeing
1: more of that. I mean, I don't understand the economics behind it, truthfully. I'm not much of a numbers guy, even though I am a CPA. I'm terrible <laughs> at numbers. So yeah, I don't understand the economics of it. Obviously, they see an opportunity there. Obviously, you know, like I see like a lot of arguments that, like, look, these firms are operating very archaic models and they're going for very low valuations compared to, you know, other industries. And if we could update this firm and bring it into the modern era, we could ha- you know, it could be worth a lot more money. I just think like, if that's the rationale, it's very hard to update those kind of models because we have to update personalities as well. People on the team, their clients as well. So there's a lot of change management required. So I don't know the economics behind it. Truthfully. Uh, yeah. I don't know if like anything's been proven in terms of like these, private equity firms that are buying up these firms and seeing these incredible results uh, as a result of changes that they're making perhaps. But yeah, uh, certainly you, you are seeing more of that these days.
0: Yeah. It's pretty wild to see the culture of accounting change with acquisitions, with all the other stuff, but like just in general, the culture, and that's driving the growth, I feel like, in the industry as a whole. And I know when you look at studies... Less people are majoring in accounting. Less people are going into the accounting profession. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because it allows the people really to elevate their skill set to be more efficient, to be more effective. And then those bloated firms that have been doing things forever and they're charging $300 an hour to build a simple cash flow forecast and it takes them 20 hours to do it you shouldn't be in business
1: doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that is a good argument. I mean, the, the other argument on the other side is that firms that are already having a hard time hiring are going to have an even harder time hiring. But with advances in technology, do we just kind of net out to zero? For those that are in the profession, the fact that there's a decrease in demand in those wanting to go into the profession, like, I don't think many like seeing that it can present some benefits, I guess, to a firm and that if there's less accountants out there that might actually make the business more profitable because if there's demand on the client side, but not a lot of supply, then what does that do from a price standpoint and therefore profitability standpoint? So yeah, I don't know like how that all plays out in the end, but certainly the accounting bodies are not making it attractive for people to enter the profession and that's going to have implications.
0: Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, it begins with the education of accounting to major in accounting. Holy shit. Is that boring? And like I did a double, (laughs) I did a double major in finance and accounting and I hated every single one of my upper level accounting classes, like financial reporting one, two, why do you have three financial reporting classes that you have to take? Like, why are there levels on all this stuff that's outdated anyways? And You know, I, for me, and did you go to university in in Canada? I did. Yeah. So I don't know if it's different up in in Canada and and doing the CPA and taking the CPA. I thankfully never took a, took the CPA. I'm not a CPA. Yeah. I always like to make sure that people know that, that I'm a CFO, not a CPA, but in the US, the hoops you have to jump through just to become a CPA are, I mean, they're insane. They're insane yeah. just to it's get a job similar. that pays $50,000 $50, a year. It's very
1: similar. And yeah, that, I mean, it's very tough. It's very similar. And yeah, I hated it as well. I mean, I don't, I am a CPA. My training and education is in accounting, but I don't really consider myself an accountant, which is, you know, for people that are running firms, I'm in the minority. But yeah, some people do like it. Some people like, yeah. you know, the satisfaction of having things balance, and, you know, their their brain just works in that manner. Mine doesn't. And yeah, so I don't enjoy it. I kind of want to shift. Let's talk about personal. When yeah. you, you know, when you sold
0: your firm, obviously it's a personal decision to, to sell your firm. How has your life changed personally? You know, now being a triathlete, doing all this kinds of stuff, how has it changed for the better? And how has it changed where you were like, oh, I didn't think that this was going to happen. I got to kind of adjust.
1: Well, you get a chunk of cash so that, you know, does something. It's always nice. But I mean, really that's not like I think what was good is that I had something like I, I like working towards something and I like working toward like fulfilling some kind of purpose. And I I think some people are like when they're very fed up of their firm, they say, I just want to sell and I want to like figure it out afterwards what I do yeah. next. And I, I think that's not a great decision because they might end up regretting that decision. I'm kind of going on a tangent here. But how's my life changed? I got to I, I think the benefit of me running through a business from start to finish seeing like the full cycle and transferring that business over to someone else that needed to take it over like it was a one year transition so i could see like i was able to slowly extract myself and see all the things that i could have been doing better or all the things that i was maybe holding on to that i shouldn't have and You know, I was able to kind of like take a step back and look at like, there was a lot of mistakes that I knew I made, but there were some mistakes that I didn't know that I was making. So starting a business the second time was a lot easier and I could kind of like, you know, it wasn't like a mystery. Obviously, it's still not easy, but it's not a mystery. But I was able to kind of create a business that allowed me even more freedom and flexibility because I knew what I really wanted and I could build something from the ground up around that. Whereas when I started my first business, I didn't have quite, like I didn't work nights and weekends and all that uh, kind of stuff. I didn't work crazy hours, but I didn't have exactly the level of freedom and flexibility I wanted just because I wasn't building the business from the ground up around that objective. So I think how my life has changed after the acquisition, I just have more freedom because I was able to create a business that was more built from the ground up. I have more time for my family. I have more time for vacation, more time for hobbies, like when I took up triathlon a couple of years back. So just more time. Yeah, so how do you, how do you define freedom in the work? Uh, world? Being able to do what you want, when you want, how you wanna do it. My wife is from Indonesia and her whole family is there. We have horrible winters here in Montreal. So you know the goal was how could I create a business that allowed me not to be tied to any time zone so I could spend extended periods outside the country on the other side of the world. So that means I need to like, I need a business that's like asynchronous where, you know, I have a very light calendar in terms of meetings and, you know, I could work from wherever I want. So, you know, I could be out of the country for, you know, three months a year. So that's kind of how I define freedom is just being able to do what you want when you want and how you want to do it. I love that. So one of the biggest things that I've seen a lot of accountants, because you
0: talk to any accountant, every accountant in the world, and not even just accountants, entrepreneurs in general, all they talk about, whenever you ask any entrepreneur, how are you doing? The first thing they say is busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy, but good. For entrepreneurs, being busy is always kind of a, it seems like it's a badge of honor. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so busy because I'm working so much and I'm doing all this stuff. And what I found is when I when I saw myself as the most busy, I was the least successful. And yeah. I always thought when I was when I was first starting clockwork, I was like, I'm going to take any meeting that I can find, anyone that will talk to me. I need to talk to them. I yeah. need to get. Fee- I need to fill my calendar, and I'm going to be busy, and then I'm going to become this CEO. And da-da-da. that was such bullshit. <laughs> it was such a such a good lesson to learn. But being busy is so overrated as yeah. an entrepreneur and yeah. being effective is the way now when people are like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm effective as hell. Like I'm working yeah. today. I'm taking two hours of work and yeah. the rest I'm not working.
1: Yeah. But that badge of honor, because you're kind of in that tech startup world, right? So like, do you see that, like you're in like that tech startup world, but you're also in like the accounting world. So do you yeah. see that badge of honor on both sides? Because I know when I was running my firm, like our niche was tech startups and yeah, you're dealing with like super type A personalities that like, yeah, they're working around the clock, you know, seven days a week. And like, for them it's like, yeah, like, you know, that it's like a competition. Who could be working more? (laughs) Whereas I'm not maybe seeing that as much in the accounting firm world, accounting owner world. But yeah, like certainly when you ask someone like a firm owner or a partner, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm very busy, but I'm doing good. So I'm not sure like if it's like, do you agree it's the same badge of honor on both sides or do you think it's different from those two industries?
0: Yeah, I love that distinction. So on the tech startup world, when I go and I'm among other tech startups, tech CEOs, it's definitely a, I work more than you do. I am busier. I'm, you know, and they definitely feel like it's a badge of honor. When you talk to accountants and you hear and you talk to accountants and you hear them talk to each other. It's definitely not like I work more than yeah. you. So I'm better than or I'm busier. And yeah. it's, Hey, we're both working like ridiculous. How can we help yeah. each other?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I don't know what more to add there in term, uh, other than that, That I see those two opposing points of view from those different industries. And I, I think firm owners are busy but feel very overwhelmed and you know i think they value the freedom component a lot more than like yeah. a tech startup ceo who's just tr- going for like hyper scale, hyper growth yeah and potentially an exit down the road so they're like putting it all in for those five yeah. years or whatever it is to try and like make that exit so yeah they're probably different objectives at the end of the day for both of those business owners ceos whatever you want to call them
0: I'll tell you what. the So I can't tell you the last time I ever took a vacation. My last vacation was in October of 2017, right before I started Clockwork. That was my last vacation. And when you talk to other tech founders, tech CEOs, that we don't take vacations. But I tell you what, I've never met a group of people that take more vacations than accountants. You think so? And, and I, I, I swear to God, I don't know what it is. It's like, I have some accountants that literally take the entire month of December off. I have other accountants that literally take the entire you know post if they're a tax heavy firm. they take yeah. all of all of April off after after tax day and then they'll they're gone for a month. It's honestly hilarious to me how many out of offices I get and how many people are like, oh I'm out of vacation I'm out, I'm out of town
1: yeah, I'd love to see some stats. definitely, I would agree that the tech CEOs they're not taking vacation. There are definitely more vacations being taken by firm owners. However, they're not taking as much as they'd like, and you'd yeah, be surprised. There's a lot of firm owners that don't get to take vacation at all. I know, like we have, like in our platform, Future Firm Accelerate, we have, you know, a forum where we have a sub forum called Share Your Wins. And there's a number of people posting like, you know, so happy I've taken my first vacation in like a month or I've taken my, uh, sorry, yeah. I've taken my first vacation in years, or I've been able to take one week off. I haven't done that in such a long time. So there's a lot of firm owners that have not had the opportunity to take vacation either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think really the biggest thing that separates what we're trying to do in this industry, because there's, there's a lot of noise in the accounting industry. And I think one of the things that I, I absolutely love about you and, and been following you and, um, you know, very grateful that we've actually connected now, it's helping other partners, helping accounting firms, helping accountants where there's, we're not just out there just just spewing bullshit, you know, for anyone that will listen. We genuinely have been there. We've done that. And we need to, and, you know, we've taken it upon ourselves to, as a mission to genuinely help other accountants across the world doesn't matter what what they're
1: going through. And I think that's really neat. I agree. That's what that's what keeps me going. I mean, you know, if I get an email from someone that I got a ton of appreciation from people where we've been able to help them take them from a situation where they're just overworked and, you know, no time off or anything to something where they've been able to realize some incredible results, like this is really what I do it for. You know, when I get those kind of emails, those kind of messages, I get letters in the mail sometimes, you know, when I get that kind of stuff, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. I think one of the things, Ryan, that is very shifting in the industry, when I look at 2023 and 2024, I think one of the biggest things that's shifting is the expectation of technology in the offering that every accountant uses. That everyone mm-hmm. every accountant provides. I think you know up until even last year, right? In the years before, it wasn't a big thing. Like you have QuickBooks Online, you have Zero, and that's that's good mm-hmm. enough. Now that that pendulum is definitely swinging, where now it's kind of an expectation of leveraging technology, leveraging some sort of suite where you can provide the same service just a lot more efficiently and a lot more effectively, and charge your clients more money. And it's not going to break anyone. It's not as scary and daunting as it has been
1: for, for a while now. I agree that there's a big opportunity for trailblazers out there. I see a lot of parallels to when I started my firm being a very early cloud accounting firm when nobody had really even heard about it. Nobody was really even doing it. And like we were able to target a certain kind of segment of the market that really appreciated that kind of technology and, and service level which were tech startups at the time. And, you know, we had no competition. We had a differentiated alternative than the tr- traditional firm. And I think there's a, a the same kind of parallel that we can draw right now with like AI and what's happening there. Like there's a lot of interesting use cases in, in, in terms of how you might be able to offer services differently using that kind of technology. Radically different business models that are popping up. I think people are just kind of testing it. And I don't think anything like, I haven't seen anything that's really caught on. But yeah, like there's much different ways today that we can service our client base thanks to technology. So I definitely see a lot of parallels between like when I started off in cloud accounting to what's taking place right now with AI. Yeah, I love that. Well,
0: Ryan, I'm going to end with a question for you. What is one thing that you wish you knew starting your very first firm that you ended up finding out through your years of experience?
1: I think once you are very clear on your ideal end state, your, what your ideal life looks like, many people start their business because they want a better life, but they haven't clarified or defined exactly what that is. And it's very easy to get caught up in just growth mode and just growth for the sake of growth. So really, you know, what I always caution people about is, or what I always advise is to just be very clear on what you want out of life. And, you know, how much money do you really need to be happy? How many hours a week do you want to be working? How much time off you want to be taking per year? And like, how could we build a business that supports those objectives? So just defining what you really want and then building a pathway to kind of get there. So I think most firm owners, most business owners, they kind of lose track of that. And they just got, they get caught up in revenue mode. Whereas I want to build a business that's going to serve our lifestyle better. But other than that, there's a number of different things that I'd recommend as well. But that's, that's probably the number one thing.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's absolutely spot on. Definitely got to know what you want and and work towards it. And if you don't know what you want, figure it out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ryan. This was, this was absolutely awesome. Been looking forward to this conversation for a bit. Really great to have you. So where can people find you to learn more?
1: The best place is to uh, just join me on my free weekly newsletter. I just give out content, tips, tricks, templates on how to better systematize your firm. And they can go to uh, futurefirm.co slash newsletter. We have around 10,000 readers on the newsletter at the moment, and it's a free newsletter. So go ahead and and sign up and you'll have access to my personal email there as well.
0: Yeah, amazing. Are you a Montreal Canadiens fan, by the way? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Is there someone
1: else that you root for?
0: I'm a, I'm a Blackhawks fan. I'm a, I'm a Chicago okay. guy.
1: All right, one of yeah. the original teams then.
0: Yeah, I was going to say we're 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 in the same boat. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll catch a game one time. Well, thanks again, Ryan. This has been awesome, and thank you everyone for listening into the Real Slim Fatty Show again. I am your host, Fatty Huatma.